0: Of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the word together.
1: Thank you. And if you can open up, we're making our way through First Thessalonians. We're in chapter one, verse five. We'll be looking at three verses: chapter five, six, and seven. Title of our message is Who Are You Following? Who Are You Following? as believers, we're called to be followers of Jesus Christ. And we all know that if you've walked with the Lord any amount of time, you know, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. We even say it, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus. And so we're going to kind of look at what that means uh, scripturally. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? But we're also called to be examples Paul the Apostle, as we're going to see, he was an example, and it's, it's important that we realize that when we mature in the things of the Lord, we're, we're to be an example to those that are newer believers, and we're to be an example to them, we're to pour into them. It's a part of discipleship, and we're going to talk about that also, and it's, it's very important. I, I think about when I was in Michigan many years ago as a youth pastor, and I, I loved doing what I was doing. And it was a a powerful thing that the Lord was doing. And looking back, I kind of see it, you know, what was happening. I didn't even realize what was happening at the time. But I would hang out with them constantly. And it was just in my heart. The Lord was prompting me by his spirit. Uh, So we would play basketball together. We would go to Christian concerts together. We'd go kayaking together. We would would hang out a lot. And, And looking back at it, I believe what was happening is I was being an example. I was walking out my Christianity in front of them, and there was that work of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us and working in, in the group. And so, for example, if we were playing basketball and it would get too aggressive or we'd lose and someone would get angry, we would talk about that. And it, but everything was centered about, around the Word of God. Everything. We would start with the Word of God and we would close in prayer and, and we would talk about if someone was. If call in the flesh, and there was just that powerful work, but looking back now, I, I see that the Bible calls us to do that, to be examples, and we can look at that and get beat up and say, oh, no, you know, I'm not always a good example, but, well, you can be still a good example when you mess up by showing what you do when you mess up. We go to the cross. We ask the Lord to help us. We ask the, the Holy Spirit to mold us and shape us and, and cut away those things in our lives that are not of Christ, amen? Yeah. So we're going to talk about all these things, and so uh, here we have three verses, and I'm going to ask if you can please stand with me. I'm just going to read out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, and this is Paul the apostle that's writing to the church in Thessalonica. In verse 5 he says, For our gospel... Do not come to you in word only, but also in... Can we say that out loud, please? Power. And in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance. As you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. For you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word. that's the word of God. In much affliction, with joy of the Holy Spirit. So that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who can we say it together? Thank you, Lord. As your word instructs us, may you instruct us in these three verses. Teach us in your ways. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica. It's a young church. It's uh, a church that's uh, not, you know, a mature church. He, Paul the apostle, and Silas kind of birthed the church. They went, as we talked about last week, three Sabbaths. uh, They went to the synagogue. They preached the gospel, and as they preached the gospel, many came to Christ, as we looked at last week. And now he's commending them. He's he's commending them for what's taking place, and we're going to look a little closer at that. And he was he's also was talking about that that when he shared the gospel, how, how it was powerful and it worked mightily. And, and we're going to dig into that. So remember, Paul and Silas, on their second missionary journey, they went to this place, Thessalonica. A work started. Many came to Christ. And now he's writing this letter from Corinth because the persecution was so heavy. Him and Silas had to leave. They went to Berea, then they went to, uh, to, to Corinth. And now he's writing this letter again as a way of reminder to this young Church there in Thessalonica, modern day Greece. So let's look back in verse 5 and look a little closer at this verse. There's a lot here. For he said, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in, can we say it again, power, and in the Holy Spirit, in much assurance, and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. Gospel. What does gospel mean, everybody? The The good news. The good news of Jesus Christ. So Paul's saying, when I came to you and I shared the gospel, the good news, the good news that Jesus Christ died on the cross to take away all of our sin, that we can have a relationship with God, Jesus Christ paid the penalty. So he's reminding them when the gospel, the good news went out, it did just go out merely in words. It wasn't just words that he threw out there, but he he was saying that, you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. In other words, you saw it played out in our lives. You, you watched the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. You saw the change in our lives. You, you saw the assurance that was there. And we're going to talk about all these things, but, but he's telling them that you saw it in us. And I believe also what he's saying is that, and you saw that it, the gospel worked effectively, very effectively in your lives. It just wasn't empty words. There was power. Power that changed lives. Has the power of God changed your life? When you heard the gospel, has it changed you? Is, is there, has there been a change in your life? Think of this. You know how terrible it would be if, let's say that God didn't, did not change lives. We would all be gathered together here. None of us would be changed. It would be kind of weird. Wouldn't it be weird if we were all the same as we were before we accepted Christ? People become stumbling in here drunk, you know, those, hey, praise God talking about all the things they did over the weekend and how terrible these, these crazy things they were doing. No, we are changed people. Why? Because the power of God changed us. And Paul's saying they, they weren't just empty words that went out. They, there was the, 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 the word went out, but then there was a change that took place. And I'm sure every one of us have met people that say, I'm a Christian, but there's no change. Listen, that did not happen in Thessalonica. These people were changed. Paul was changed, and he's commending them for the power of God that changed people's lives. I think about Eric and and Megan. when They started coming to our church about two years ago, a little over two years ago. And At the end of the message, the gospel went out. Eric stood up and gave his life to Christ. The word went out. The gospel went out by word, but then... There's a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit that took place in his life. And, and you talk to him, you, you, you spend time with him, you see the power of God changed his life. Jesus Christ is preeminent. He wants Jesus first in his life. And, and he told me, this is what he said, part of his testimony is he went to another church for 15 years and never once heard the gospel in the church for 15 years. Now the gospel has the power to change lives. And I pray and trust and hope that he's changed your life. I think of Peter and Melissa right here, guys. Awesome. They came, what, in January or so to the church? Both of them prayed to receive Jesus Christ just recently as their Lord and Savior, and you're watching them change before our eyes. Why? Because the gospel went out. They heard the gospel. They heard the good news. They accepted the good news, and they realized there needs to be a change, and they're allowing the Holy Spirit to work in their lives, and we're seeing a change. Now, the things of God are important to them. Why? Because it didn't just go out with mere words. It went out in power. I pray, I trust, I hope every one of us in this room and those that are watching online, I pray that we've experienced the power to change our lives because God does not want to keep any one of us the same. But it doesn't just happen when we accept Christ. There's a change, a radical change that should take place when you accept Christ. He comes to live inside of you. The power from on high lives in you, but then it's a continual change. And if you're not changing, you're not becoming more like Christ, let me warn you of something. It's called backsliding. Beware. When we get to chapter 2, we're going to read this, but I, I wanted to bring this up. The ch- same church, the, the letter going out in chapter 2, verse th- 13, Paul the apostle says, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, the gospel and the word of God, which you heard from us, Paul said, you welcomed it not, listen, as the word of, can we say that out loud? Amen. Men. It wasn't just our words, but as it is in truth, the word of what? The word of God—it's God's word that went out, which also can we say that word effectively works in you who believe. It works in us to change us. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the word of God, bringing changes in all of our lives. And so, Paul's commending them there in chapter two, but also First Peter one twenty-three that says, "Having been can we say that out loud? Born again. Born, again. born again. Have you been born again? I pray so." Peter, the apostle, said, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the what? Through "Through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. The power of God's word. He's commending this church, saying the power is working in you guys. It wasn't empty words, and he's commending them. But then look back in verse 5. By the way, we're going to spend most of our time in verse 5, but then we're going to also look at 6 and 7. So not only did it come in power, but also in the Holy Spirit and much. Can we say that word out loud right here? Much assurance. Much assurance. Something happened when he shared the gospel. Changed lives. But there was assurance. Paul, as an example to them in there, he had assurance of his, his salvation, assurance of heaven, assurance his sins were forgiven, assurance that God is with us and having that wonderful, powerful assurance. And I believe he's saying to them, that with much assurance, you guys had assurance when you accepted the gospel, when the power was with you of God and the Holy Spirit's working in your life, that gave you assurance. My question, do, do you have as a believer that assurance of heaven? I'll ask you again. Do you have that assurance? Yes! That was much better, by the way. <clears throat> that assurance of heaven. Listen, the, the, the moment, the millisecond I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, I knew instantly I was heaven-bound. Why? I have that assurance. My sins are forgiven. What separates me from God? Sin. Jesus Christ died on the cross to take away the sins of the world. He takes away my sin, my past, present, future sin. My sin is gone. It's nailed to the cross. Now I have assurance that I have hope that goes beyond the grave. To be absent from the body means I'll be in the presence of the Lord for all eternity. Do we have that assurance? Yes, we should have that assurance. And he's telling them you have much assurance. But notice, it wasn't mere words. It was in power as we talked about. You had much assurance as we just talked about but also the work of the Holy Spirit in the Holy Spirit. There was a work of the Holy Spirit, obviously in Paul the Apostle's life, but also in the, in the new believers. They, there was that work of the Holy Spirit. And I want to put up on the screen some of the, the things that we should see in our own lives as the work of the Holy Spirit. This is what they would have saw in Thessalonica. These are just four things. There's much more that's provided with the Holy Spirit in our lives, the person of the Holy Spirit. So it brought them, can we say that out loud? comfort why the holy spirit's called the comforter john 14:16 brought them what help why the holy spirit's called the helper john 15:26 taught them scripture why the, the the holy spirit's called the spirit of truth we see that in john 14 and 15 brought conviction of sin the holy spirit came in the world to do what convict us of sin In this new church, in this young church, there was a work of the Holy Spirit convicting of sin. There was a work of the Holy Spirit bringing help. The helper was helping them. The Holy Spirit was bringing comfort. Why? They were under heavy persecution. It wasn't just words. There was a work of the Holy Spirit. Unless the Holy Spirit is working in the church, this is not a church. If the Holy Spirit's not working in a church, it's not a church, it's a social club. We never want to be, we never will be a social club. This is not a social club. Yes, we have fellowship in our coninir, our oneness, our fellowship is in Christ Jesus because we've all been born again of the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus Christ have cleansed us of our sins and that brings great fellowship. But there always must be, and I pray it's in your life, that work of the Holy Spirit in our midst, in your life. Convicting you, when you do something wrong, conviction, wrong. I don't know if your vehicle has those little sensors, if you go close to something, I go (laughs) That's the Holy Spirit, it's like then you go this, whoa, wait. But then you get closer and closer, (laughs) and you're like, stop, 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 stop. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit saying, stop, wrong way, don't do that. That's not of me. That's going to cause problems. It's going to hurt your life. It's going to hurt others around you. Sin is terrible. Stop. Persecution comes, comfort. You open up the Bible, truth, you, the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit teaches us the work of the Holy Spirit. Our second Sunday, when we started a Sunday service at the Sunset Beach Women's Club, May 18th was the first Sunday, May 18th, 2003. Second Sunday, I went up to the pulpit to give the message. And I felt the strong prompting of the Holy Spirit said, lose the notes. And I was like, uh, I prepared the notes. <laughs> and I, didn't, I really seriously didn't know if it was the Holy Spirit, my mind, an attack. I, I didn't know what it was. I'm like, come on, this can't be. I, you, know, you know, so I'm like struggling. I'm like, Are you, Lord... Is this you? And I just stronger the prompting of the Holy Spirit, lose those notes. I was like, can I use them next week? (laughs) (laughs) And so by faith, I walked up to the pulpit. I said, ah, I've had notes up here, but I feel strongly the Lord says not to use them. So here we go. I don't know what I'm going to say, but here we go. I wouldn't recommend that if you're a pastor teacher, (laughs) unless the Holy Spirit's prompting you. Stick to your notes, have notes. It's good. It's good to be prepared. It's good to study, to show yourself approved to God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's very important. So I just started speaking, and I felt the Holy Spirit just saying things, giving me, prompting me, and talking. And I was like, okay, Lord, so that was it. And after the service, a lady came up to me, Angela, and she said, "Uh, I know why the Lord said lose your notes because this is my first time here. Somebody picked me up, and I was asking all these questions. She didn't really have all the answers, but you answered every question that I had through that message. And that comfort of knowing the Holy Spirit's at work and speaking. I can't tell you how many times people come up to me and it just blows my mind as a pastor, you know, this, look at this. And they'll show me their notes, their journaling. They'll say, look at what I just wrote. And it's, it's totally confirmed with the message today. And it's just like, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. There's the, the work of the Holy Spirit. He's there to comfort. He's there to teach. He's there to instruct. He's the Pericletus, the one who comes alongside of us, that's with us, that never leaves us, and lives inside of us. The work of the Holy Spirit took place in Thessalonica, and I pray and I trust it continually takes place here in this place. God's spirit working. Great scripture that goes with this. Remember Paul the Apostle as he wrote to the church in Galatia, Galatians 3, 2. Remember this? He actually rebuked them. He says, this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law? Did anybody receive the spirit by the works of the law? If you do, don't raise your hand because it doesn't work. (laughs) Please don't raise your hand. By the hearing of faith, by believing the message. Then the work of the Holy Spirit starts if we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. So he's rebuking them. He's saying, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And he goes, are you so foolish? Having begun in the, can we say that out loud? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect in or by the flesh? All of us have to be aware of this that because God is, when he works in our lives, we, we can sometimes think that we can perfect what God is doing in our lives and we have to realize, we have to stop sometimes to regroup and say, Lord, please lead me continually by the Holy Spirit. Well, we can happen with mature Christians. We can start walking with the Lord. I don't know what's going on back there, but something's, uh, when we're walking with the Lord, it's like, okay, I know how to do this. And listen, we can get into a routine. We can get into a pattern and beware of that. And sometimes I can, you can, we can as believers, especially when we walk with the Lord for a long period of time, it's like, well, this works, this is this the way I'm gonna do it. No, the Holy Spirit wants to control your life. Yes, I said control your life. He's the third person of the Godhead living inside of you. And when you ask God to become Lord of your life, you're surrendering your will and you're saying, not my will be done, Lord, but your will be done. And when you fight God's will, it's miserable. But when you're led by the Holy Spirit, and he says, go in this direction, and you're like, well, Lord, I can tell you a thousand reasons why I'm not going in that direction. And he'll let you go wherever you want to go. But guaranteed, if the Holy Spirit's working in your life, he's going to tell you, well, are you done trying to do it your way? This is the way. And I want you to walk in it. Most of you know this verse, Zechariah 4, 6. He answered and said to me, the Lord, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel started the work on the temple. And there was a battle. There was a fight. It was tough. So the Lord says, not by might nor by power. This is a different power. This is not the power of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about your might and your power. Not by your resources. Not by what you think you're going to do. Not by what you think that you can, you know, your intellect can handle. No, no, no. It's not going to be by those two things. He says, but by my what? But by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. It's going to be done by my Holy Spirit. He chose Zerubbabel to start it, and he's telling Zerubbabel, you're going to finish this work. and It'll be by my spirit. It's not going to be by what you think you can do. Before we go to the next verse, I, somebody bought me a shirt that says born two on it, and I love wearing it because it brings conversation. It says born with a two, a small two up top here. And so it's great because people will say, well, we're born to the second power. What does that mean? <laughs> And so I was at Trader Joe's uh, yesterday afternoon, and sure enough, it worked, you know, so I'm cashier's checking me out. She goes, what? Uh, born tube, second power, what does that mean? And I, so I was like, oh, yeah, well, good, I'm glad you asked. And so I said, yeah, I'm born, I'm born twice. And then at that, she figured out right away. She was like, oh, yeah, born twice. I said, yeah, that which is born of flesh. See, we're all born of the flesh. And she's, like, doing the groceries really fast. She's like... <laughs> And I know what's going on in her mind. She's like, I, I, I wish I never asked that question. She's like, and she's smiling. Yeah, nice. And I said, well, oh, you know, Jesus told Nicodemus. He said, you know, we must have a spiritual birth. You know, we all have a physical birth. And he told Nicodemus, that which is born of flesh is flesh. We're all born in the flesh. But that which is born of spirit is spirit. We all have to have a spiritual birth, even if we want to see heaven. You can't see heaven unless you have a spiritual birth. And she goes, oh, yeah, okay. And she's like, all right, nice. She's like... Pack it up real quick. It's like, but you know where people stand, but I, I love it because it opens a door. And guess what? God's word will never return void. But the shirt means I, I've had a spiritual birth. The Holy Spirit lives inside of me, convicting me, drawing me close to him, giving me understanding of the word, giving me assurance of heaven and the, the work of the Holy Spirit, bringing comfort in my life, helping me when I need help. The message for me, the message for you, the message for all of us, again, is a reminder for us, no matter how long you've walked with the Lord, the reminder is depend more on the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist said, yeah, I, I've got a decrease, and he must increase in my life. And Paul the Apostle goes on to tell this young church, and he says, and you became, can we say that out loud, please? Followers of who? And of the Lord, receiving having, excuse me, having received the word, the word of God, in much affliction. They had heavy persecution, but they received the word of God from who? From Paul the apostle. You, you've received the word of God from us. You, you not only followed the message of the word of God, but you followed the messenger that gave you the word of God. He was an example to them. Yeah, they followed the Lord, and that's what we all should do. But also, in this, we see the, how there should be people in our lives that are examples that we follow their example. Paul the apostle, was an example, but he used the Word of God. My example, if you don't know this already, Pastor Chuck Smith, who's gone to be with the Lord. Why? Because the church that he pastored simply taught the Word of God, simply interpreting Scripture with Scripture and allowing the work of the Holy Spirit to work in people's lives. As the Word of God goes out, the Holy Spirit does the work to, tr- to change and transform lives. It wasn't a shepherding church, a, do you know there's churches out there that shepherd the flock in a, in a bad way? Where they have to go, people in the congregation, they have to ask the pastor, oh, I'm thinking of buying this house. What do you think? No, don't buy that house. <laughs> Give all that to the church. or whatever. I don't know. It's just, but seriously, there's churches out there. It's called shepherding the, you know, it's, it's not a good thing. Not a shepherding in a good way. Shepherding is to feed the flock, tend to the needs of the, of the people. So while I was serving at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa under Pastor Chuck Smith, when he was here with us, people from all around the world would bring buses in. From all around the world, tour buses would come in. Why? They wanted to see what was going on at Calvary Costa Mesa. Why? Because it spread throughout all the world. And they're like, we have a Calvary Chapel in our church. Or we have a Calvary Chapel in our community. It's a church there. We want to see where it all started. And all over the world, churches all over the world, like Starbucks, just all over the place, popping up teaching the Word of God and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in people's lives and being an example to those that are under us. That's what we see here. Word of God, even in infliction, the Holy Spirit working. They had great joy, and they were following not only the Lord, but they were following the example of the messenger. Hi, this is Pastor Joe, and I'd like to take a moment to personally invite you to one of our three services here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor in Huntington Beach. Our service times are 9 a.m., 10.45 a.m., and 12.30 p.m. Please come and say hi after the service. I would love to meet you. For more information, check out our website at ccoth.com. That's ccoth.com. God bless
0: you. You've been listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettig an Outreach of Calvary Chapel of Arbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now. At 714-788-8221 That's 714-788-8221 Our new location is at 4121 Warner Avenue in Huntington Beach at the beautiful Huntington Harbor Marina. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.